Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Good morning. I'm Steve Perkins, and today our scripture reading will be from Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. Most important, live together in a manner worthy of Christ's gospel. Do this whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you. Do this so that you stand firm, united in one spirit and mind, as you struggle together to remain faithful to the gospel. That way, you won't be afraid of anything your enemies do. Your faithfulness and courage are a sign of their coming destruction and your salvation, which is from God. God has generously granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but also of suffering for Christ's sake. You are having the same struggle that you saw me face and now hear that I'm still facing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Steve, thank you for reading the scripture today. really appreciate you doing that. Years ago, I was interviewing somebody for a job at the church I was serving at the time. This was a church in a small town, rural setting. We were creating a halftime position for somebody to be our director of children's ministry and program ministry. And somebody had been recommended to me. Several people had said, oh, you ought to hire so-and-so. They had talked to her, said, you ought to go apply. So we go through the process, uh, do the interview, and she's great. I mean, it's like, wow, she just is like perfect for this job. I mean, almost too good, right? Have you ever been around somebody like that? You're like, man, this is just almost like too good to be true. So, of course, I'm going to call the references, and, uh, and I, it was a, it was a Small town. Anybody ever live in a small town? Yeah, there's a, there's a handful. Uh, and, and part of the thing of living in a small town is everybody knows of you. They may not be best friends, may not be, you know, come over to your house kind of people, but they know of you. They know probably your family, who you run around with. They know you. So I'm calling, I call the references, but then I'm like, I'm going to call a handful of other folks and see what they know about her. And so I call those people, and everybody just gave these glowing references. And the way one person put it was, with her, what you see really is what you get. So we started a series last week uh, called Words into Actions. The idea is, is that we're taking some words that we say frequently. I said them a while ago and looking into what it looks like, how to live it out. And so the words are that we seek to be a joyful community that strives to live in love like Jesus. So words into actions. How do we, how do we begin to do that? And, so, uh, and, and we're studying, throughout this series, we're studying the book of Philippians. That's Paul's letter to the Christians at the church in Philippi. And so we're going to read through that because there are several important things in there for us uh, for us to know and learn that are crucial to us living out that statement. And so uh, in each of the uh, messages, we're going to find some places in the Scripture where Paul lifts up some values for us to live, to, for us to exhibit. Um, that's true in other places of the Bible, too. So we're going to look particularly in Philippians, though, of what it looks like for his community and what that might mean for us. Last week, we looked at the value of relationship, but not simply the relationship of that we know somebody, we're acquainted, but, but the word that was used is the word koinonia. That's the Greek word, koinonia, which means loosely fellowship, but it really means 
to partner together in a common enterprise. And so it's the idea of partnering relationships, to know that we're in this together. It's not simply knowing somebody, but we're partners in a common enterprise, in the common enterprise of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and being the church. That's what we learned about last week, so today we're going to talk about the value of authenticity. We live, though, in a celebrity culture. We love our celebrities. We follow the celebrities. We, we follow them on, on uh, social media. We go to their websites and learn about their lives and, and see the videos about them. And, and we watch their TV shows and we uh, streaming things and other websites that have their information. And we go to their concerts and we read their books. And we love our celebrities. Some of them are celebrities. Some of them are famous simply because they're famous. Right? I mean, you look at what have they done? Well, they're just famous. They're famous because they're famous. We love this celebrity culture. We almost idolize them. We want to live their life. We see on these so called reality shows the life they live, and we think that's where I want to be. Of course, the thing is, we don't, we don't know them, do we? And what we see depicted online or on a TV show is what they let us see. We, but we love our celebrities, and we love it too when there's a little bit of dirt, when there's a little bit of, oh, can you believe he did that? Can you believe she went back to him? Can you? And, we, and we, then we, we get all this energy up about how we're going to bash a celebrity. We're, we, we should boycott that celebrity because we really hate it, or we defend them. Because it happens to be my favorite celebrity. I'm going to defend them against everybody else. Yeah, we spend a lot of energy around, around celebrities. I was having a conversation with a young woman four or five years ago, uh, and in the midst of the conversation, she said, uh, she said, yeah, I'm trying really hard to get 1,000 followers on my social media platform. And I said, well, that's, that's a lot of followers. Uh, good luck with that. She's, and, and I said, so why do you want... That many. She said, because then I can be an influencer. And I said, okay, well, what, what do you mean by that? Now, I knew I'm not that far out of step. I know what an influencer is. I've known for a long time. Don't worry. But I wanted to hear her say. I wanted to hear her impression of what it is to be an influencer. She said, well, if I get 1,000 followers, well, then I can, like, highlight a certain product, like a sports drink or energy drink or something, on my post, and then I'll get paid by that company. I can earn money by doing this, and the more followers I get, then the more, and the more likes about that, then they'll, you know, and, and, and some people, and some people do this, and they get rich, and some people get famous. Now, if you're going to be an influencer, that's fine. But pointing out that sense of culture that we live in where that seems to be more what we aspire to. So, so I just think that just poses some interesting questions around what it means to live an authentic Christian life. If, if to follow Jesus authentically in our culture, what does that mean? What would that look like? I mean, I think it used to be that we would say that an authentic Christian is somebody who kept their word. 
They kept their word. Their word was as good as gold. The word, their word was their bond. It was almost synonymous with integrity. And we saw that as a Christian person. But that means you have interactions with somebody, and when they tell you they're going to do something, they do it, and they follow through, and if they say they're not going to do it, they don't do it. And That's different. Oh, but we Christians, get, we get distracted by the dazzle of celebrity too. We have celebrity preachers, uh, unfortunately many of whom you hear in the news because they've done something really inappropriate. We have celebrity uh, Christian musical artists. We have celebrity Christian writers, bloggers, vloggers. People who are really well known in Christian circles. So we're not, we're not immune from, from the, uh, the temptation, the lure of celebrity and being famous. I guess in some ways that's, that's easier to have to help people think that you're authentic. Because, you know, you let people see only what you want them to see. Because the real difficulty to authenticity is when you go through hardship. That's the real challenge to authenticity because that's when it's really hard to hang in there and do the right thing and be the same person. Much easier to follow Jesus when all is going well. But you run into those rough patches, and it's just difficult. Cracks can be seen in our sometimes facade. So how do we cope with that? How do we, what do we do with that? So that we can be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we can be who we say we are, that we can exhibit authentic faith. So this is exactly what Paul is writing to. When he's writing to the Philippians, this is exactly what he's writing to. We have so much to learn from him in, about that topic in this passage. Now, now, in Philippians, in spite of the cheerful and joyful tone of the letter, there are some really serious things here. I mean, we, we sometimes can get distracted because it just, he just seems so happy. He expresses great joy, and he is glad and tells people to rejoice and it can just seem that all is great, but we, which is what we prefer. That's what we prefer is that everything is great. But there's some really serious things going on in here. He, he's in prison. I mean, he writes this from prison. He says that in the Scripture. He is in prison. Now, um, and I'm guilty of this. Over the years, you, you uh, talk about Philippians, preach about Philippians, and I'll say, well, you know, he wrote this in prison. And then we just move on, not really thinking about why is he in prison? What's going on? Because generally, if a person's in prison, that means they've, well, they've broken a law of some kind, right? They've done something wrong, and so that's why they would be in prison. And we're thinking, wait, Paul, Saint Paul, why would he be in prison? Well, you see, he dared to publicly speak and preach that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, for those of us who have been in church circles for very long, we're like, yes, that's right. We've, we've learned this our whole life. We sing songs to that effect. But remember, this was in the Roman Empire. And actually, it was written, Caesar is Lord. 
Caesar is king of kings and lord of lords. At the name of Caesar, every knee shall bow. Literally. In a crowd, if the name Caesar was spoken, the people were to bow, bend the knee. The name of Caesar, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Caesar is Lord. <laughs> well, Paul took the words of the empire and just flipped it completely upside down. Not Caesar. Jesus is Lord. That's the allegiance Paul ascribes to. That is the authenticity he seeks to exhibit. And so here he is in prison. Now, this, is not, this would not be like the city jail where he got caught stealing a loaf of bread. This is, uh, he's, he's the guards of the Praetorian uh, guards. That means this is where the political prisoners were kept. This is where when you have insulted the, some of the highest ranking people in the Roman Empire, this is the prison you're going to end up in. And because you've, you've violated or uh, uh, offended someone so high up the food chain, likely your sentence will be death. This is pretty serious in spite of the cheerful, joyful tone, right? So we can't overlook that. And yet it's in that context that we read and learn these really important teachings of Paul. He says, in spite of all that, he says in verse 20, he says, I hope with daring courage. I love that. I hope with daring courage that Christ's greatness will be seen in my body. Now, as always, whether I live or die, because for me, living serves Christ. Dying is even better. Now, the older translations say, to live is Christ, to die is gain. We may be more familiar with that translation. I, dare, I, I hope with daring courage that Christ's greatness will be seen in my body, whether I am alive or die, because for me, living serves Christ and dying is even better. That people will see in me, whether I live or die, that I am true to my allegiance to Christ. Authentic. I mean, part of what he's getting at is this choice that we make when we say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And, and that is that we, that we say that that becomes the most important thing that we agree to. That is the most important thing we commit to, is to follow the gospel of Christ above any earthly power or any earthly person. So even more, even more so than Caesar. <laughs> Caesar has the power to throw me in prison and even kill me, Paul would think, but that's, that's not most important. Being faithful to Christ is most important. So our citizenship then is in heaven. Our ultimate citizenship is in heaven. That understanding that, that people and institutions of this life are temporary. As important as we would like to think they are, temporary. While we believe in, worship the eternal God and the Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So our citizenship is in heaven, and yet we're going to have difficulty. Sometimes because that's where our citizenship is, that's where our loyalty is, we will experience difficulties. It will not always be easy to be this Christian person, that sometimes things get hard and people oppose what we, what we find to be important. So how do we do that? Well, Paul says you can only do it by standing together. Standing together. You can't do it alone. 
And Paul even tells them, the reason he can be where he is and be okay is he's saying, because we are partners in this. That, that you have prayed for me, you have sent goods to me, you have supported me. Because of this partnership, I'm able to withstand, I'm able to be okay. So he uses words and phrases through this teaching like strive side by side, to stand firm, to be united in one spirit and one mind, standing together. Now I know in our culture we often think of you know, living a Christian life, being faithful, well, that's, that's just me. You know, it's, it's, we, we, see, we see so many things in our culture as in an individualistic way. But all the more important then that we understand to be part of a worshiping body together. That, as, as you'll hear later, some new study groups are starting up. So being part of a study group, being part of a serving ministry together, being part of a sports ministry together, that, that somehow Christians come together so that we know I'm not in this alone. And to do so by, as Paul says in, at the beginning of that reading, so that we live together in a manner worthy of Christ's gospel. That our life, individually and together, is characterized as worthy of the gospel of Christ. Which means we're going to pattern our life, our living, after the way Jesus lived and taught. And we're going to pattern the way that we love others after the way Jesus loved and taught. So tomorrow is our observance of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I think that's an important observance that we have in America. I was, uh, when I was a kid and started public school, uh, integration of schools, uh, had, it had been long enough that that was normalized. It wasn't the big controversial thing. It, it hadn't happened a whole lot of years, but by the time I got there, it, it was kind of normalized. And so when I get to school uh, as, a, as a first grader back in the day, that I, we were just all students. I didn't, I, I didn't think about that there should, there, some people should be there, some people shouldn't be there. It was just, we were just all students together. And so we'd go out to recess, and well, some friends from my class, you know, Eddie and, and Donnie and uh, Richard, and we do stuff together. Now, of our little group, one, you know, a couple of us were white, one was black, one was brown. Didn't think anything about it. We went out and played. We threw the football around. We raced each other. We, you know, just did the silly things that boys do. And so it was in later years, as I got older, and I would hear people talking about those who had darker skin than me, in really derogatory ways. Using names and epithets that, I, I, that offended me. I was like, these are my friends. Why would you call them that name? Why would you talk about them this way? See, I had the great advantage of having relationships before someone told me that certain people didn't belong. Before someone told me that, that I shouldn't be associated with certain people. I had relationships. And those, those continued all through school. 
So I'm, I've been trying to learn over, through my whole life about uh, not only the civil rights movement, but continuing efforts at ra- racial reconciliation, uh, all those things. I've been continuing to try to learn about this. And when I was in, in Atlanta a few years ago, uh, I made sure to go to Ebenezer Baptist Church, where, of course, Martin Luther King Jr. preached frequently. His dad was the pastor. He was an associate, but he preached there frequently. Uh, right across the street is the Martin Luther King Jr. Museum uh, and the new Ebenezer Baptist Church. And then not too far down the street is the Southern Leadership Conference office. Significant civil rights area in there. And one of the things I learned is that, is that when they planned the protests... Uh, This was all centered in the church. These were Christian people. They were Christian people. And so they said, we're going to do peaceful protests. Peaceful protests. But they trained the people who were going to be a part of the protest. They said, you know, when, when we do this, there will be people who will yell at you and call you names and spit on you and throw things at you. Some will try to hit you or kick you. And yes, some people will come along with vicious dogs on leashes, and some people might hold a gun pointed at you. And they would enact this, train them for what this is going to be like when they marched into a city, when they sat at a lunch counter, when they tried to use a bathroom that, had, that they were supposedly not able to use. And they would train them to be in this situation and to just not react. Because the teaching was that if you react, if they yell at you and you yell back, if they hit you and you hit back, then you've just become like them. And we're trying to say that that doesn't have a place in our world. That doesn't belong. And so if you react, you become like them, the people who want to harm you and oppress you. So you might have seen, you might have seen the video clips of some of the protests and how they were yelled at and attacked and how they did not react. You wonder what was the greater witness that day. Uh, Maybe not wonder. (laughs) I think of those words of Paul in another one of his letters where he said, do not return evil for evil. In other words, if someone does something bad to you, don't do something bad to them. (laughs) You don't gain anything. Because if your citizenship is in heaven, then I have marching orders to re- when I receive evil to return good. To return good. Because there are times that we just have to say, I'm not going to participate in that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. Because that's not, that's, that's not the criteria by which I live. That's not my commitment. My commitment is to the gospel of Christ. God doesn't leave us alone in this effort. God's Spirit is with us. God's presence through the Holy Spirit never leaves us. And God also gives us each other. That we can stand together. So that maybe what people could say about you and me is that what you see really is what you get. Pray with me. God, we're grateful uh, for your amazing grace because it is always amazing. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have to live lives that 
exemplify the life of Christ. Even sometimes not doing the things that we would want to do or like to do, but to do the things that we are called to do. So that our commitments are sh- show up in our actions. We thank you for those who have gone before us to be those mentors and examples to help us to understand what that means and what that looks like. So God, help us to be those examples and mentors to others of what living authentic Christian life looks like, that we would truly be effective, faithful, and growing followers of Jesus Christ. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.